0: This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. Everybody who didn't come tonight missed out. Words cannot make up for the unseen. Oh. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> if you want to open up your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 2. Hmm. It's this holy laughter thing going on. So Sunday I was talking out of Philippians, the letter that uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians. And tonight I just really want to talk about what Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in his second letter. And in his first letter, he brought a lot of correction and a lot of clarification. And it wasn't necessarily the things that people wanted to hear. And so we're just going to... I encourage you to read the whole entire book of 2 Corinthians. It's very short. But we're going to start out in... uh, chapter 2 verse 1 and he said for I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you for if I cause you pain who is there to make me glad but the one who I have pained see Paul was saying that if he had to come back there He was going to have to remind them of the stuff that he had already told them that they needed to correct in their life. And he said, if I discourage you all, then who's going to be there to cheer me up? I'm trying to bring the good news. And with that good news, it doesn't seem like you guys are accepting of it. And he's saying that that's why he made up his mind not to come. In verse 3, he says, chapter 2, verse 3, he says, And I wrote as I did, so when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with my many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love I still have for you. See, Paul, with his apostolic vision, he could see, apostolically, he could see in the Spirit what God was doing in the Corinthian church. He could see everything that was before them. He could see everything that God had called them to do. But it pained him because he couldn't see them doing it. They weren't walking out what God was showing. And I think so many times today, we don't walk into the fullness that God has for us. We spend so much time listening to everything else going on that we miss hearing what God is actually saying. That's why I think the message, even the little bit that Christy shared and that... uh, Bruno from Catch the Fire shared, was, you know what? We can make all these plans and we can look at what seems right to us. But I gotta tell you, is God has a plan and sometimes he'll let us schedule out our plans. He'll let us schedule out our moves. He'll let us schedule out our job changes. He'll let us schedule out our ministry. And in the end, when we're done writing it down, he's like, okay, you've done all that, but now you are ready to hear what I have to say? We can go on with our own plans, we can go on with our own understanding, or we can stop and listen what Holy Spirit is saying. See, Paul felt sure for everybody. He felt sure because he could see the callings on their life. He could see the giftings that God was raising up within them. But he wrote to them with anguish and many tears because they weren't living that out. He goes on in verse 5. And he says, Now if anyone caused pain, he has caused it. It's not to me, but in some measure not to put it too severely, but to all of you. I think we seem to want to blame everybody else for what's going on in our life. We want to blame everything on somebody else or on our circumstances or that, God, why have you forsaken me? How many of us have said, God, why did you leave me here? Or God, why did you bring me here? Or God, why are you doing this? And we phrase it in a question, but in reality, we're blaming God for our situation that we put ourselves in. Or we're blaming God because we're asking him for something and he's not given us what we're asking for. He's given us what's best for us. How many times with our kids, when they ask for something and we know it's not good for them, do we not give it to them? And we're not doing it because we don't like them. We're not doing that because we're angry with them. We're not doing that because we're punishing them. We're doing that because we know what's best in the end. I would say at least once a week, our granddaughter tells us in the morning, I don't want to go to school today. I just want to stay here with you. And you have to tell her this is what's best for you. And she doesn't understand. She thinks that just to be with us is going to pull on our heartstrings, and that's what's going to be best for her. But we know what's best. Verse six says, For such one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather to forgive and to comfort him, that he may be overwhelmed, that he may be overwhelmed by the excess of sorrow. So I beg of you to relieve, to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether or not you're obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive indeed. What I have forgiven, and if I have forgiven anything, it has been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his design. See, what Paul was saying is that the Corinthian church, they were all taking little pieces of what Paul said or they were taking little pieces of scripture and they were judging everybody by that. And so the reality is we do the same thing. When we're good in one area, you have people that just intercede and pray all the time. And they're like, how come you guys don't pray that much? How come you guys don't fast that much? How come you guys aren't studying that much every day? How come you're not up at 5 a.m. praying like we're praying? Instead of each one of us staying in our own lane." See, Paul's saying we can't be judgmental on others. We need to be doing what God has called us to do. We need to be in the center of God's will. And I got to tell you, is that each and every one of us, I've said this over and over, is a puzzle piece. We need our intercessors. We need our evangelists. We need our worshipers. We need those administrative people. We need children's workers. No one is any greater than the other. We need people that clean the building. We need people that fix stuff. Because it takes all of us doing our part. Paul was just telling them, you need to forgive. You need to not be so judgmental. You can't be pointing out stuff in everybody around you. We need to stay focused on what God is really saying. Going on in verse 12. He says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest. Because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and I went to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us to the triumphal procession. And through us he spreads the fragrance, fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. And those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death. To another a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like many. Peddlers of God's word. But we are men of sincerity. And commissioned by God. In the sight of God. We speak in Christ. I think we forget, Paul's reminding them. You know what? We're God's hands extended. We're God's mouth extended. We're God's arms of comfort. We're supposed to be God's personal representatives right here on earth. Are we loving the unlovely? Are we doing what he's called us to do? Are we focused on what is best for us? Are we focused on how much money we can make? Are we focused on how big of a house we can have? Are we focused on what we can do in our own strength? See, Paul was just pointing out, when we're doing the wrong things, we're a fragrance of death. And when we're doing the right things, we're the fragrance of God. But either way you look at it, we're the fragrance. Either way you look at it, people are looking us, looking at us and they're seeing the representation of Christ. Do people really want to be who you are? Do people really want what you have and what you're representing to them, what you're representing to them? So many times we want to just be the representation to those who are being saved. But I got to tell you, we're the representation to those who are perishing. We can't be looking down on people. In chapter three, he's talking about that we're ministers of the new covenant. See, Paul understood being a Jew that it wasn't about the minuscule understanding of the law as man understood it. It wasn't about rules and regulations and feasts. That there was so much more to it than all that. He goes on in chapter 3 and he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Are we beginning to pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we're following all the laws, we're doing all the right things? He goes on and said, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you? Or from you? (laughs) You know what? There's so many of us today that need somebody to recognize us before we'll do what God called us to do. We want somebody to stamp a title on us. And it's kind of funny because this last week we were driving somewhere. And there was somebody talking about this and Christy looked over in the car to me and she said, you know what? If it's going to motivate people, let's give everybody a title. If it's going to motivate people to do what God's called them to do, let's just start giving people titles. The title really doesn't do anything, but if that's actually going to get you off center and get you on your feet, and get you doing what God's called you to do? I don't think it really matters. <laughs> and that's what Paul is saying. So a good portion of the Corinthian church, they needed titles in order to do something. And the other portion of the, of the Corinthian church They wanted to give Paul recommendations. They wanted to tell Paul what he could and couldn't do. Paul saying, part of you need a title from me and part of you need to write me a letter of recommendation telling me what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong and what you think I can and can't do. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, you yourselves are our letters of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you're the letter from Christ delivered by us, written not in ink, but in the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You see what Paul was saying? How you guys are following what's being taught is the representation to those out there. You are the recommendation. If, if you're a part of something and you're always complaining about everything that's going wrong, that's the recommendation you're making. Don't be a part of this. Don't follow this. If all we're talking about is everything that's going wrong, then that's the recommendation we're giving people. And Paul wasn't telling people exactly what to do. He was saying, this is the truth of the matter. And I got to tell you, all of you out there listening are the recommendation for the leaders and the bodies that God's put you in. And in the real pecking order of things, you're also being a representation of Christ himself. And so as I learned one time from Pastor Michael Walker in Denver here, I remember we were at his church and it was on a Sunday morning and they had a very diverse church from doctors driving up in their Mercedes to homeless people parking their shopping carts in front of the church and everything in between. And one morning... In the middle of worship, he got up. And he told people, I don't want any more emails. He goes, if the music's too loud, there's this church, this church, and this church. This is the times they meet. This is their address. If you think that we're too charismatic, there's this church, this church, and this church that aren't charismatic. Here's their service times, and here's when they meet. If you think that we're not charismatic enough, There's this church, this church, and this church that are way more charismatic, way more Pentecostal than us. And he just went through like 15 or 16 common things he gets. And he goes, now we're gonna sing three more songs. And if you're one of the people that's been writing me those things and you really feel that in your heart, I just ask at this time that you gather your family and please go to one of those other churches because we're doing what God called us to do. And you know what? There was so much truth and reality. And there were a fair amount of people that got up and walked out. Probably 50, 60 people got up and walked out of the service during those worship songs. And the whole atmosphere changed. And I really believe it's just like what Paul wrote here. We are the tablets of recommendation. and, And I encourage people, go where God's called you to go. Don't go and think you're going to change every place you go. Go and submit and be a part of what's going on. We we can't show up places with an agenda because God looks at our agenda and he looks at our plans and he laughs because we need to be in the center of his will doing what he called us to do in the way he called us to do it. And if that hurt, I'm really not sorry. And for that, I am serious. Verse four says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient within ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. See, I'm with Paul. I'm not doing everything right. I don't do everything perfect. We as a church don't do everything perfect. But you know what? For all these years I've been doing this, I'm just trying to follow God. I'm trying to hear his voice and sometimes people think that it's scatterbrained and it doesn't make sense sometimes people get frustrated because we start out one way and then we make a hard right turn or we make a u-turn there's probably so many times i've missed it but we just get off one exit and get right back on and just keep going It's the spirit that gives life. And everybody can point fingers, but I'm going to tell you, (laughs) when the children of Israel were in Egypt praying, I would venture to say there wasn't one of them that was praying that God would bring Moses back from the wilderness. Moses was probably not on the minds of any of them when it came to deliverance from the bondage. And we already know that when God audibly spoke to Moses, it wasn't on Moses' mind and he wasn't afraid to tell him so. But the children of Israel would have never been delivered if it wasn't for Moses. God's plan was Moses was going to deliver them. And even when Moses came up with excuses. Oh, I stutter. That's okay. Take Aaron. Oh, how's he going to know? I'll use your staff. What's he going to say? You don't worry about it. I'll give you the words when you need them. Well, God, I, I need a one-year plan. I need to know how this is going to play out. I need to know how many days. I need to know what I'm going to say on what days. Uh, fill out the calendar. Just get Aaron and go. But he's going to kill me. Just get Aaron and go. But he has every right to kill me. Just get Aaron and go. I want you to just weigh out some realities here. Some harsh realities. Moses was wanted by Pharaoh. (laughs) And not only that is, not just anybody walked in and spoke to Pharaoh face to face. And yet here is a wanted man walking into Pharaoh's court and speaking before Pharaoh at his throne. And not only speaking before Pharaoh, but speaking forcefully and harshly. Telling Pharaoh what he was going to do with his property, what it was going to look like, and how it was going to happen. Multiple times. All you have to do is look at history outside the Bible. People didn't live when they did that. They died the first time. In this day and age, in this time of COVID, in this time of uncertainty, we need to be like Paul and we need to stand up with such a confidence through Christ. We need to stand up and be who he's called us to be. We need to do what he's called us to do. We need to go where he's called us to go. And it's not of our own sufficiency, it's from God. He's made us sufficient. I don't think we really thought about this here in verse 7. Paul's communing with God. Paul had been communing with God. And I want you to hear what he said about this subject. He said, Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such a glory that the Israelites could not gaze on Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? I want you to see what he's saying here. The children of Israel needed rules, and he writes the Ten Commandments. And Paul calls it the ministry of death. And he's saying, if the ministry of death came with such a glory that the children of Israel could not even look upon the one delivering the message because just the reflection would have killed them, how much more does God have for us today? The rules, the Ten Commandments themselves were a ministry of death, but the children of Israel were demanding rules. They were demanding order. They were demanding to know what God wanted. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want those things in our life, but he doesn't want those things by writing them down so that we can read them. He wants those things because we have such a relationship with him that that's what we want to naturally do. Verse 8 says, Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was a glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness much far exceeded in glory. If the rules were given, (laughs) the rules that only led to death, (laughs) and they only led to death because people couldn't live by the words written. They had to live from their heart. They couldn't just follow the rules. They had to want to follow the rules. They had to desire. They had to have such a love for God himself that they wouldn't do any of those things. And he said, if they came with such a glory that the people couldn't even look on Moses' face, how much more glory... Should the New covenant walking in righteousness have? When we look at ourselves, are people overwhelmed by the glory of God in our life? When they walk in our presence, do they want to die? about that great message sinners and the angry hands of God and it said the people were clutching on to the post in the church because they thought God was going to come down and destroy everything at that moment it wasn't because of rules it was because the love of God had flooded that church It wasn't about condemning people. It was about exposing the love of God and all of a sudden they realized how they were living their lives. Even if they were the deacons and the elders and the leaders in the church, people were shaken to the bone when they experienced the love of God. And I'm not talking about it came out where some would say it was a negative way, but it wasn't meant as a negative thing. When they were overwhelmed with the glory of God, they realized all the places they were falling short and they just wanted to do right. It wasn't by the letter of the rule. It wasn't by the law. It wasn't by what they had done or what they hadn't done. It was like, am I really reflecting the glory of God? Verse 10 says, Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to no glory at all because the glory that surpassed it. For if it was being brought to an end, it came with glory. Much more... (laughs) Well, what the permanent have glory. If the law came with such a glory, how much more is the new covenant? How much more with the grace and the mercy? and the forgiveness without doing all the sacrifices, without doing all the natural things written down the law, but actually coming under the law, coming under the greatest sacrifice of all, how much more glory should that be radiating? It came with all the glory, but are we reflecting that glory? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. And just think about the children of Israel. They couldn't even look on Moses from the reflection. Anybody who didn't do absolutely everything right and opened up the curtain in the Holy of Holies died. That's how great the glory of God is. if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and people aren't being changed when they come in our presence what are we doing wrong the other thing Paul points out right there at the end is that this glory is permanent See, the glory that Moses had only lasted for a certain amount of time. He didn't go for the rest of his life with a covering over his face. The glory for when the priests went in to the Holy of Holies only lasted for a certain amount of time. The glory God gives us through Jesus is a permanent glory, and it should be outshining any glory. That Moses or any of the priests ever experienced. Verse 12 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who had to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the outcome of what was being brought. an end but their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the old covenant that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away we wonder why the Jews the real children of Israel why they can't see because they're still looking at the glory through the veil of Moses. They don't believe that they can look at the glory of God. They don't believe that they can experience the power and the presence of God. And you know what? So many churches today are the same way. We don't have to pray through our leaders. And that doesn't mean we just run out and do everything on our own. It means there's freedom and safety in being a part of a body. There's freedom in being who we're called to be. It's not about the rules and regulations. It's about the freedom and safety. It's like being in a walled city. (laughs) You can run around. You can let your kids run around. You can do all this stuff. It doesn't mean what's outside the wall is safe for everybody. But within that safety, you can learn how to be all you're called to be. Verse 15 says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, then the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with an unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is in Spirit. Do you see what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church? And I got to tell you, even even as I'm speaking this here tonight, I really feel like Paul is that people say, oh, you're being so hard and oh, you're being so negative. No, God is trying to say, be free. And we're saying, but I want to be chained. I want to be handcuffed. I want to be hooked to the cement block. And I don't want to move because I feel comfortable here. And God wants to cut the chains and let us run free. And we keep chaining ourselves up, thinking that being a martyr is the answer. Being a martyr is only the answer for people that are called to be martyrs. All the apostles were called to be martyrs. He told them. You want to be with me in heaven? You want to follow me? You want to sit at my right hand? You're going to experience all that. You're going to experience everything I experienced and more. But praise God, he hasn't called us all to be martyrs. He's called us to live in freedom. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what did Paul just say? (laughs) Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If you're a spirit-filled believer, we have freedom within us. Chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tampering with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even though, and even if, our gospel is veiled, It is veiled to those who are perishing, and in their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not of ourselves, but of Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not about titles. It's about being a servant to all. It's not about whether people recognize you. It's about are you serving people. Everywhere Jesus went. It doesn't take a huge imagination. When Jesus is walking, all the disciples are like, we're with him. And Jesus wants to wash their feet. And Jesus wants to hang out with sinners. And tax collectors and harlots. I mean, just think about it. You don't even have to read in between the lines. Everywhere they went, they were proud to be with Jesus. But everywhere he went, he wanted to serve the people. And he kept telling them in different ways. Follow me as I'm following the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And don't take this in a wrong way. But we always lift God up on this pedestal and God is here just like his son and he wants to serve us. And I can truly say that because Jesus said, when you've seen me you've seen the Father. And what did Jesus? He was the servant of all. To take that in context, in scriptural context, you can disagree with me all you want. Jesus served everybody, and he said, I only do what I see and hear the Father doing. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want a title, go out and serve people. And serve them not worrying if they're a harlot, if they're a tax collector, if they're a sinner, if they're a smoker, if they're living with somebody. It doesn't matter how they dress. It doesn't matter what their education is. Go out and serve people and show Christ strong. This past couple weeks, I've had the opportunity to serve Unsaved people who do not believe in God at all. And they all thought I was going to beat them up. And what did I do? I just continually served and I continually served and I continually served. And now people who were once apprehensive the first time I met them a week and a half ago are now like, you are so good at your job. I can't believe the way you care for people can we send money to the church I never asked anybody for any money people were saying can I send money to the church and you know what I haven't preached to any of them I loved on them right where they were and then when they got apprehensive I had to reassure them I'm not asking you to come to church. I'm not asking you to read the Bible. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just loving on you because God loved on me. I'm just sharing what I have. And I got to tell you, there's no doctrine, there's no philosophy, there's no religion to argue because they can't argue with the fact is I impacted their life by doing nothing more than serving them and meeting them where they were, recognizing their needs, and taking care of all the needs that I could possibly take care of myself. And I didn't have to ask permission. I had to get a few more people involved in some areas, but the reality is, just meet people's needs. Meet them where they're at. Don't be judgmental. Anybody who knows me for any length of time will know, I can't say like 100%, but I'll say 98% of the time, I'll never ask anybody to do something I wouldn't do myself or that I haven't already done myself. And there's somebody out there listening right now said, but you're right. There are a lot of things I would ask people to do that I haven't done myself. I'm not ministering to women by myself. I'm not ministering in certain areas because there's people that are way better than me. If you want to quit smoking, I'll pray for you, but I'd rather have somebody who's been delivered from smoking pray for you. If you're struggling with things in your life, I'd rather have somebody who's already been triumphant in that area. Why? Because it's going to be much better for you. but I'm not telling you on the flip side is I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to clean toilets. I'm willing to mow lawns. I'm willing to sweep the parking lot. I'm willing to rearrange chairs. <laughs> I'm willing to help people move. I'm willing to do what God's called me to do. Why? Because I want to serve the people around me and just like Paul... <laughs> I want people to say, wow, people at that church are really servants. But in order for that to happen, I have to be an example. But also, just like Paul was saying, in order for that to happen, you guys have to follow my example and you have to do what God's called you to do and do those things. Verse 7 he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that we are the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our mortal flesh. So that death is at work in us. But life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. I believe and so spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all your sake, for it is all for your sake so that the grace extends more and more and people may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. And Paul goes on and says, don't lose faith. Don't lose our heart. Don't worry about our outer self. Don't worry about our inner self. Just do what the Father's calling you to do and he's going to meet all those needs. You know the problem with us? (laughs) Is we try and fix everything along the way or we stop and we try and fix things that aren't broken or that we think are broken. It's almost like we're driving across the United States and we stop at one gas station and get a new windshield even though we don't need one because we think we need one. And the next gas station we stop and we get new tires even though we had new tires the day before when we started the trip. But now all of a sudden we feel like our tires are inferior to drive this far. And then we go to the next place, and we have something else done. And we go to the next place, and we have something else done. And it takes us forever to get someplace. Because we keep stopping along the way and fixing stuff that doesn't need to be fixed. Or focusing on stuff that shouldn't be our focus. We need to remember that our outer self is wasting away and our inner self is being renewed day by day. I'm tired of COVID, but I'm not going to be foolish. I said, I'm tired of COVID, but I'm not going to be foolish. I'm not scared of COVID. But that doesn't mean I'm going to run and hang out with a whole bunch of people that have COVID unless God tells me to. But I do know this. that COVID's not going to take me out unless God says it's okay. Why? Because I'm following after God. Not because I'm good. Not because I lead a church. But because I'm following after God. And I know that no matter what the afflictions are, no matter what the circumstances are, that I can trust that God has my best interest. No matter how many times I get off on the wrong exit purpose or not on purpose God has so much for each and every one of us here's the part we have to understand what he has for us isn't for us it's for him I'm going to pick on lane, even if he's not watching now he'll see it later Lane cracked one of his crowns. He was in a lot of pain. And me being the compassionate soul that I am, he told me how much pain he was in, and he said, I have to go get a root canal. And I said, you have Bible software, Lane. We're called to cast our crowns, not crack them. need to get back in the original language. But the reality of that is we're worried about our crowns. And they're to be cast before his feet anyway, so it really doesn't matter. I agree with Paul. If you need a title, if that's what's going to get you Out of your seat and into the game, you can have a title. We had a couple that came to our church at one time, and we don't have a membership role. We don't have membership rules. We barely have a membership directory. Why? Because everybody belongs to God. Nobody belongs to me. Nobody belongs to this building. Nobody belongs to an organization. You belong to a body of Christ. This couple was sitting in my living room with a whole bunch of other people and they said, well, I don't think we can go somewhere if they don't have a membership role. And so we prayed with them right there and we made them members. And they came to church after that all the time. See, it's not about being a member, but to them it was. And so that's what they needed to be a part. I'll become all things to all men so some might be saved and step out and do stuff. See, it's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's about love, the grace, and the mercy of God. are we loving those around us as Christ loved us? That's the real question. Lord, I just pray for each and every person that's watching this live stream, each and every person here in the room. Lord, I just pray for just a release in their life. Lord, I just pray for a commissioning. Lord, a commissioning that they would raise themselves up, that they would live in the freedom of the Spirit and they would walk in the fullness of what you've called them to do, who you've called them to be, where you've called them to be, and when you've called them to be there. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, you know my heart's cry is that people's ears would be open to hear the whispers that come from your throne and our eyes would be open to see people as you see them. And Lord, I pray even right now that scales would come off people's eyes, that veils would be lifted. Lord, I thank you that even those that are watching right now whether it's tonight or whether it's a month from now, that if they don't know you, they would just cry out to you. Your word says that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I thank you, Lord, that there are people that are going to see this, there are people that are watching this, they're going to call out to you, and you're going to meet them right there where they are, in their car, at the park, in their house, in their bedroom. That as they cry out to you, That you're going to invade the very space they're in at that moment. And they're going to be changed from glory to glory. Just thank you. We praise you. Amen.